This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Chevy, Rotoviz, Visa, Indeed, Bet Online, and of course, Blue Wire. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rotoviz CFB Show. You can follow Matt at Wispy the Kid and myself at Stay Fun Leco. We are so glad you're here, Matt. What is up, my good man? How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Uh, didn't have a lot of energy today, but now that I get to talk about college football, I got a little bit, little bit of energy coming back to me. Yeah, I like it. You know what? You could just pull a Larry Scott and give yourself a two and a half million dollar bonus Deal. for doing your job well. Deal. Can you believe that? Like the Pac-12 isn't even. They like... have to furlough everyone. He gives himself a huge bonus. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's. I mean, it's on oh par. Oh my god, that dude! I I just cannot handle him. He. I still find it funny. Like they were actually like for all the people who are now turning against them for the Pac-12, like not playing or whatever. They do understand. Like, of course, they fell by the wayside. Like they were the one conference where it actually sort of made sense. Their whole. Half their teams literally couldn't go to practice until this week. And everyone's just like, well, why are we the only ones? Because California still shut down. Like, right. I don't, like that conference is a mess, but they were, I mean, they were at least the one conference where it sort of made sense. I, I, but for what it's worth, I'm thrilled they seem to be reconsidering it. Yep. Yeah. It seems like uh, from what I can tell, um, they like I've been following uh, Dave Softy Mahler, who we had on the show like a month ago or something like that. Um, uh, he's obviously up in Seattle. And so I've been keeping an eye on what he's been, uh, tweeting and, and you shared one with me as well. And like some of the people he's been talking to think there's a, you know, 75% chance that we'll be playing PAC 12 football by Halloween. Uh, I don't know that's, it seems like they have the votes. It's just a matter of getting the C like the, all the, the it will upper, be. upper echelon of people, uh, just getting them to give the go ahead, but It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Like with the Big Ten, they pushed so hard apparently to make sure that it was unanimous and that every team was a part of it. But if you if you listen to the everything coming out right now, it sure sounds like Stanford is not going to be a part of a, a fall season if there is a fall season. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see if like that slows this process down, if they're trying to get Stanford back in. So I don't know. I mean, I'm really hopeful. I, the one thing I don't want to see is I don't want any of these schools to rush the actual safety procedures. And they say that they wouldn't be able to get them off the ground until November is their original thought, just based on manufacturing of the necessary amount of tests. But I would think that they could, would be able to at least get enough for like a couple of weeks early on. So it's very strange. Um, but welcome to where I was a few weeks ago. You, it, it's <laughs> I, know, right? a, I will let you know it is a roller coaster. Um, yes. the one, the one fun new rumor out there right now, which would actually be great for everyone is that, uh, the, um, the college football playoff committee is at least starting to like consider being flexible about when they're going to do their announcement that they may actually be willing to push stuff back so you can get more involvement. Yeah. Um, which then would give schools like the big 10 potentially more flexibility if you do have to cancel a game and you don't have to have something stupid like Ohio state's three and O at the end of the year, because <laughs> they had five straight games canceled because everyone got four and a half or had 5% positivity rate. Right. Um, well, and it, I wanted to ask you that question, like in, in light of like what's going on with like Notre Dame and wait at Notre Dame was supposed to be playing wake forest this weekend. And it's been uh, pushed back to December. And now, uh, we found out that the head coach of Florida State, uh, Coach Norvell, has been has tested positive for COVID, so that one might be postponed. And I was just thinking, like, looking at these teams, they they still have the opportunity to make up games. But we chatted a little bit about the Big Ten. If they don't have flexibility, how many games do you think is even like realistic to think that some of these teams are going to be able to play? Like, I I, I, mean, I, I think six games, you'd, you'd be thrilled with almost. I'm not sure. I can say I like. If they are not doing contact tracing, if they are purely going by test results, that's the only way that I could see them actually getting through eight games. Right. Only because there's some logistical stuff that goes along with this. Like with the eight or with the contact tracing, it's basically if you get one person in um, a room, whether it be the offensive line room, the quarterback room, receiver room, you pretty much can wipe it out just by doing contact tracing. So then that be, it raises up questions like what does this 5% positivity rate mean? If you are doing contact tracing, does that factor in? So if you get guys that aren't actually testing positive, but are contact tracing potential guys, does that count towards your 5%? There's a lot of like logistical questions I have about this. And at least in their initial thing, they were very adamant that they were trying not to rely upon contact tracing. So if they are just doing the actual tests, I think it's feasible, feasible that they somehow get through eight games. But I'll tell you flat out, I was pissed when I saw Rutgers was on the schedule because yeah. Rutgers openly stated they didn't want to play, which generally that's going to trickle down to the athletic department, making you think that the probably the players aren't as cautious as in Ohio State. Like Nebraska, I have no doubt. Nebraska is going to show up. Their kids are quarantining. They're all hiding in like solitary confinement right now trying to get ready for this game um probably the same with like penn state and ohio state i can basically promise you that every single player on that team like refuses to be in a group larger than two people right. um so but yeah i mean if you're asking me right now do i think that rutgers game is going to get played no do i think um i mean i i think i'm what i'm rooting for right now is them to have some like 
flexibility type things where like, let's say they lose that Rutgers game and they find out in advance, can they go try and schedule like a BYU or a Houston or something like that to try and fit them in? Because it does kind of sound like now they're at least open to it, particularly with schools like the Mac um, is having some talks about coming back. Um, and those schools are fairly local. So if you could get a Mac school to come down and be a part of one of those games, I don't know. I, I think yeah. it, I, this is going to be a crazy year. And I think that it's going to be the one year um, that we have probably in our lifetime where you get a game scheduled on a week's notice when normally you get a game scheduled five years in advance. Right. Um, it's right. It was really, I know, I think it was Houston who scheduled a game on like seven days notice. And then that game got canceled too. And it's just like, cool. Is Houston ever going to get to play a game? Oh, we hope so. We they certainly won't. hope so. Yeah. They're on the board them. for this week. Yeah, I was gonna say I got them on the board. So uh, we've got a jam-packed show. So let's let's move on and let's. I mean, I look forward to the days where we're not t- talking about contact tracing and mask wearing and all that. So twenty twenty-five. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, we've got a great got a great show for you today. We're gonna start off with a new segment uh, called "Can We Talk About?" and it's just our excuse to talk about whatever the hell we want. Then we're gonna get into some SEC storylines. This is, after all. Uh, the first week of the season for the SEC. So we are excited about that. Of course, we'll jump into our week three reviews, talk about the games, uh, look over our locks. Uh, some of us had better weeks than others. <clears throat> um, I How had another rough one. Um, and then we will talk about week four. We've got a fun slate of games. I think this is the most excited I've been for college football so far this year. Um, I mean, I was obviously excited for the first game of football, but uh, this week actually feels like normal almost with the amount of games um, being played by, uh, you know, ranked teams. We didn't have like a seven game board that we were trying to pull three picks out of. Yeah. Right. And then we'll, uh, we'll close out the, uh, close out the episode with our locks for the upcoming week. Matthew. What's up? Can we talk about something? Tell me what, tell me what you enjoyed the most. Some of the favorite things about week three for you. So Everyone knows I'm kind of a I'm a Debbie guy, and I like to look at players who, if you haven't figured it out at this point, I like young players for Debbie because they give upside. And Debbie's sort of the fun way where you can be two years ahead of players. Number one, I was a week early in calling for Jameer Gibbs. Uh, not only did I think I talked about him on our show, it's like my player to watch. I had actually tweeted out earlier that he was a guy I wanted in DFS lineups. And then he had like weird, almost didn't play his week one game or or almost didn't suit up, but didn't play. But boy, did he make a splash in week two against UC or in week three? I don't know. In a second game against UCF. Um, (laughs) Week three, his second game. Correct. The second game, um, opening kickoff, 75 yard return. Um, And then in the game had, I think it was like, 60 something yards were uh, rushing and 60 yards receiving and scored a touchdown in both. You want to talk about a freshman making a debut. We always talk about like, Oh, it's just nice for them to get on the field. And it's just nice to see him. Jameer Gibbs, like he kicked the door down in his debut. He said, guys, I'm freaking here. My name is Jameer Gibbs. I'm going to be a star. Um, So yeah, I, I mean, he's going to be a dude that is flying up my rankings right now. If I had to do my like freshman running backs, it, it's hard to say this because some of the better ones are in the SEC and the Big Ten. And 
but I don't think I could take, I don't think I could have Jameer Gibbs outside of my top three among the freshman running back class. Ooh, I like he's it. that, he's that good. Yeah, um, nice. And then another guy who is much further down my freshman running back class, but continues to be dope. Ulysses Bentley is going to keep making an impact and I'm going to keep watching him every single week. Yeah. And he remind me, I don't even remember. I mean, you were tweeting about him or texting me about him. He's uh, dope. T- tell us a little bit more about him. Well, let me go pull up a stat line because it actually was awesome and I, I don't want to misquote it. So give me one moment. Of course. Of course. So he's the freshman running back for SMU. And in the game against North Texas, now mind you, North Texas is a bad team. But I remember it was 200 plus, though. Yeah, yeah. So he had 19 carries for 227 yards and three touchdowns, including an 84 yard touchdown run. He also did have a 21 yard reception. I'm just saying, like, this is the type of thing like this should make him get on your radar. He he probably won't be in our top 60 players. He probably won't be in like most people's top 100 players. But this is a, the type of player that we all know running back is iffy right now. Like, yes, there's guys like Journey Brown and there's guys um, who are talented. But this is a guy who you look at and say, huh, is this a star that's going to come out of nowhere? And maybe do I just want to like stash him? If I'm in a, I mean, he's already owned if you're in like a campus to Canton league, but he might be a guy that I'm trying to send out offers for and be willing to kind of overpay for him. Yeah, that's fun. Um, and again, like you were saying, like we, uh, we may not have him ranked now, but you know, he's a freshman. So uh, he's someone who's only going to be moving up. I imagine a couple of players that, uh, well, first, first of all, uh, can we talk about the U, baby? I was excited, man. I uh, I, I mentioned them. I'm last annoyed week. with how wrong I was. Oh man, I I even uh, under my breath whispered, you know, money line, and boy, did that look good. I was really excited. I did put a, a little bit of, of money on that on them to win that game, and I was extremely happy. I was impressed with Derek King. Cameron Harris looks like a difference maker at running back. Brevin Jordan obviously is the truth. It's a fun offense. I was also wrong in in that, um, you know, th- that first game of theirs, they had really run the football a lot. And man, they just let King throw the ball around the park. It looked great. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the Canes looked good. I'm excited to see what they can do. Hopefully their game doesn't get postponed this week. Um, but oh, yeah, we weren't going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, it's it's part of life. Unfortunately, yeah. we have to we have to be reasonable. So, yeah, so the U was one of the things that I was super excited about. And then another guy, and this is, you know, I wanted to get your your thoughts on this, too. I was talking to Travis May, who works with us over at Rotoviz, uh, who's been on the show before, a little bit about Dylan Gabriel, quarterback for, for UCF. He actually just uh, wrote up a little piece on him um, or mentioned him in one of his pieces. And uh, am I crazy for uh, thinking that we kind of overlooked him at the quarterback position in our rankings this, this offseason? I mean, I think you're crazy. I like Dylan Gabriel. I think he's one you don't of the best. Think he can... No, you don't. Think I'm. He can I mean, I I like level? him a lot, but there's still even the potential that he's not the starting quarterback at the end of this year. Um, he looks so dirty. Well, Did you see those, some of those throws he made this weekend? He's the. He might be the best downfield passer in. He he's a top five downfield passer in all of college football. He is that good. Here are the reasons right. that I I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> Um, he, like a guy like Jaden Daniels, who I like is pretty small. He's six foot, 186 pounds. That's kind of scary. 
Um, it's not to say that you can't be good at that size. Kyler Murray might win the MVP this year, and he's like 4'11", so who knows? Um, but I, my concerns with him are basically there is still a chance that Mackenzie Milton, who everyone kind of forgot about, um, there's a lot of reports that Mackenzie Milton is is very close to healthy, and we forget Mackenzie Milton was putting up ridiculous numbers as well during the last time we saw him. There is still some chance that if Milton is the better guy in practice, that they may switch back to him if Gabriel has like a rough outing. Um, but he was a sub 60% completion guy last year. He threw, I mean, it was about a four to one touchdown to interception ratio last year. He's really good. I'm not going to knock him. I just, I don't know if he's got day two quarterback potential. And if you don't have day two quarterback potential, I mean, what are you? <laughs> and that's, he, I think if we had ranked him, we would be doing with him the same thing we kind of did with Jamie Newman this offseason. And we all kind of agree that we went a little crazy with Jamie Newman love. Sure. But I think Dylan Gabriel offers something at the quarterback position that I think a lot of NFL teams are, are wanting to move toward, which is a quarterback who can do more than just throw the ball. I think being able to to move around and especially also like you said, like that vertical passing game is so important. Like I, I can I can see I mean he's only a sophomore, right? Like yeah, I could see him like after like improving, continuing to improve this year, taking another step forward next year. Um, he could be someone that we're really excited about. Anyway, I thought he looked great. I like him on the I, field. By the, I like him a lot. I don't want to make that sound like I'm anti Dylan Gabriel. I think I wrote about him 22 times last year. Yes. He was he was the number one person. Minor argument to the case of people like guys who can move around. He rushed for 78 yards last year. He's not well, exactly like no Mister Moving Quarterback. He's he's a I can. But he can move around the pocket really well. Like he can yes. create time for himself run his receiver, like run around the pocket to get his receivers more open. Um, again, I know he's also not playing against the the most elite competition. He's just someone who I wanted to talk about because he looked awesome. I was really impressed with his, uh, his third touchdown pass. I think of the weekend um, was just a like perfectly placed ball, um, a really difficult throw. Uh, one that I saw like eight quarterbacks miss um, on Sunday, you know, like he just has, he has a nice mm-hmm. touch to his deep ball. So anyway, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the sec. We've got some old faces and new places. I want to talk about Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, um, new coaches in the sec. And then to, you know, you know, like a lesser degree, we've got Drinkwitz uh, moving from app state to Mizzou. And then we've got Sam Pittman who's taken over the reins at Arkansas after being the uh, offensive line and assistant head coach over at Georgia. So we've got four new uh, coaches, uh, taking the head position in the SEC. And I'm curious, especially because Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach do have so much, um, uh, yeah, I was going to say sex appeal, but that's definitely the wrong word. Uh, but they're, they're, uh, they're uh, high profile names. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> uh, so, so what do you think? What do you think this means for these teams? Uh, these coaches, do you think they're going to be able to adapt uh, pretty quickly? And, you know, given the, the, odd off season do you think that kind of maybe plays and like a coach like mike leach who is such a different system that the than the sec is used to do you think maybe he has an advantage now or not what do you think i just asked if i were going to rank these quarterbacks in my likelihood for success um in the sec it goes number one lane kiffin number two drinkwitz number three Pittman, and number four 
Mike Leach. Mike yeah, Leach that's your, that's your Pac-12 hatred coming through. No, it's not. Mike Leach can't recruit. And if you can't recruit, you're going to die in the SEC. And here's the problem, is the Air Raid offense was very successful in the Pac-12 until it ran into anyone who was more talented than it. Right. So every year when Wa- or when Washington State would go play against Washington, what happened? It got stifled real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they play Oregon, stifled. That's what happens. And when you're dealing now with the SEC, which is loaded with talent, Mike Leach will get stifled against good defenses. So I think Mike Leach, if I had to pick one of these on first one fired, the answer is Mike Leach, and it's not particularly close. Um, the reason why I, I give um, Pittman, I actually probably would put Pittman second. The only reason I can't put him, I, I'm hesitant to do that is just because Arkansas is such a bad program. Um but yeah, I, I I like the Lane Kiffin hire. I think he's I think he'll bring a level of excitement. And truthfully, for as much grief as Lane Kiffin gets um, for the USC, he's a decent coach. Um, he's clearly a good offensive mind. That's why Alabama brought him in. And honestly, Florida Atlantic was the Conference USA champion. Both are in two years with him. He's mm-hmm. he's at least got the ability to make the most of his talent. And at Ole Miss. He has a lot of talent. I hope he picks the right QB. Um, yeah, he still hasn't picked a QB. From I'm what so I... mad about that. He needs to pick the right one. There's one right answer. It's John Reese Plumley. If he doesn't pick John Reese Plumley, I'm going to be really angry. Um, <laughs> um, but either way, he has Jerry Neely. He has John Reese Plumley, and he has um, Elijah Moore. That's a really good offense. It's better than anything he had at Florida Atlantic. I think he'll be able to at least put up points. Mike Leach, I already said he's going to get fired in three years. Um, and then I don't know what to do, what to do with Drinkwitz. Everyone want you want to give him credit for App State. The problem is he was head coach of App State for one year, right? So he kept a system in place, and by the way, that system remains in place. So I don't think Drinkwitz is this like special coach. If he brings over the methodologies from App State and he actually learns to be like like bring that type of style. You're not going to beat Alabama trying to be Alabama. So go and bring something different. So if he makes Missouri different, then I give him a chance. So that's why I give him the second best chance. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. I, and I, I think it will be interesting to see uh, what what these different coaches, especially a coach like Leach. And we talked about this in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, I'm very high on um, Kylan Hill. I'm, I'm curious to see what he'll be able to do with the running back room there. What, what will take place. And, yeah, I hope I'm wrong, by the way. I just, if I were going to, Mike Leach was very quick to say he was not willing to play the recruiting game. And you can't do that when you're going up against Georgia. You can't do that when you're going, because he had to go up against probably three or four teams that were just year over year more talented than him in the Pac-12. In the SEC, if he tries to do what he's doing now, he's going to go against 12. Right. Realistically, probably nine, whatever the number of games they play against the SEC, but they'll all be better than him if he keeps that up. And for as much as the air raid tends to equalize in the same way like the triple option does, a good cornerback is going to shut him down and it's going to take him out of this game. And I, I just, I, like yeah, I said, I also, hope I'm wrong, but it's I don't also not like the air raid is completely foreign. Like, I mean, no. LSU was doing something similar with Brady last year and, and, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what their offense will look like this year now that Brady's in the NFL, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens 
another another kind of big storyline for the SEC that I wanted to pick your brain on is there's a lot of new quarterbacks. Um, let's see here. We've got LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Mizzou, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. That's more than half the conference. Alabama's that a is- fake new quarterback, though. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. If they could be putting in Bryce Young, for all we know. I they mean, the starter. Well, okay. Until he, until he plays I mean, for yeah. I Bryce Young should be the starter. If, if they were playing for, like, who want, who's going to be the most talented quarterback and who's going to give them the best chance of being the best team in the country, they would probably roll out Bryce Young. It, but Mac Jones is very capable. So he's going to be yeah. the starter. But still, we have a lot of a lot of changing of the guard here in the uh, in the SEC. More than half the teams have a new quarterback. Um, a lot of transfers. We've got you know former Florida quarterback Felipe Franks, who you know we talk we've talked about him quite a bit. He's now at Arkansas. Uh, Sean Robinson, a TCU transfer, had to sit out last year, but he was a highly recruited quarterback uh, in the class of 2017. I think he was the number 14 quarterback. He's now at Mizzou. Uh, we've got the Colorado State grad transfer, Colin Hill, now at South Carolina. KJ Costello, the Stanford grad transfer, uh, will be captaining that air raid offense for Mississippi State. Of course, Georgia. We've talked about JT Daniels a ton, and now uh, Dewan Mathis might be might be in the in the in the mix. And uh, LSU with Miles Brennan, who you are are pretty convinced will never win a game as LSU not going after a quarterback in the transfer portal was the biggest mistake that any team made this offseason. And I still might be wrong about them. Like they still very well might be like a seven win team or an eight win, whatever. If they play 10 games, they w- might win eight. I just think Miles Brennan is going to revert them back to the offense that they were two years ago. And that's a problem. Um, Honestly, the most interesting story of this offseason to me now is uh, is Dwan Mathis. So mm-hmm. Dwan Mathis is going to open up the season as the starting quarterback for Georgia. Um, for as much as all the talk this offseason was Jamie Newman, JT Daniels. Um, JT Daniels is still not cleared, apparently. That's the report. And there are some fun rumors coming out of uh, Georgia that the reason why Jamie Newman... Uh, decided to opt out had more to do with where he was running. And there are mm-hmm. some reports that he was running third. Um, so, but Dwan Mathis, he's, he's a, uh, I guess he's probably a redshirt freshman at this point because he definitely didn't play last year. So if people don't know the story about him, I'm going to go back to his recruitment. He was an Ohio state commit. He was a long time Ohio state commit. Um, he ended up at Georgia kind of in the same way that, it's kind of a fun story. Not fun. It's fun for Ohio State fans. So when Georgia decided uh, to continue playing with Jake Fromm instead of Justin Fields, Justin Fields made the decision to leave Georgia, open it, making that quarterback room that Dwan Mathis was entering a little more crowded. So Dwan Mathis flips to Georgia literally one day before the early signing period. Pretty much there was no conversation uh, going on that he was going to flip. He was seen as a lock commitment the whole time. Last day flips, then gets to Georgia, finds out he may have a life-threatening cyst on his brain. So he had that surgery to replace it and was out for the entire year. And then his uh, his team decided to get two very high-profile transfers. And at least it looks like he's beat him up 
beat them out to become the starter. So rooting for Dwan Mathis, um, weirdly, I'm not bitter at him. Maybe it's because we got Justin Fields as the consolation prize from his recruitment, yeah, but not terrible. No, but I'm rooting for him. He was he obviously his story's pretty crazy. And you know what? If he turns out I, I've got a lot of people who are film scouts who I trust. Um a lot of the guys over at Debbie Watch I have a pretty good relationship with. And they tell me they don't see Mathis as really that high of a ceiling. So I, I'm a little bit curious about what is going on in camp, but it does sound like he's been the standout. Um, and for everyone who's sitting here saying, well, maybe they'll just replace him with JT Daniels midseason. I feel like I have to remind everyone of this guy by the name of uh, From, comma, Jake, who started um, mm-hmm. over Justin Fields, who basically just lit every record book on fire last year. So I don't know if Kirby Smart's willing to pull the trigger on that. I, I would I would guess that Dwan Mathis will be the starting quarterback for Georgia this year. And honestly, I don't know if it matters. I, I think they're going to be what they are. They're going to be the best defense in the country. They're going to hand the ball off a whole lot. And they do have this guy by the name of George Pickens to throw to. So he's not going to be throwing at no one. Right. Right. No, that it's interesting that Jamie Newman uh, reference that you mentioned kind of reminds me of what happened at Oregon with Darren Thomas. I was shocked when he declared for the draft after his junior year because it was clear he wasn't ready. And then after he didn't get drafted, everyone realized, oh, it's because this freshman by the name of Marcus Mariota had stolen the job from him anyway. And there was no way he was going to be playing ahead of Mariota. And so he took his chances. But yeah, it's uh, we, we often don't know until after the fact, but uh, hopefully Mathis can be uh, can be a fun quarterback for Georgia because uh, they, they that defense deserves to be uh, the, the defense deserves to be in the playoff if the uh, if the offense can can keep them keep them going. What is your SEC predictions? Who do you think um, will be in the SEC championship game? I mean Alabama, and I'm torn. I want to pick Georgia or Florida. Florida. I really want to pick Florida. Yeah, I think Florida is a better team, so I'm gonna go Florida. So but obviously it's 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 very close between these two. I know the problem is I picked Georgia to make the playoff the other day, so I don't know how <laughs> that works. So whatever. Uh, Screw it. I'm gonna, like... with, I'm gonna stick with my playoff pick and say Georgia, but I don't feel great about it. I, I think that, that Florida and Georgia game this year is gonna be wonderful. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be great. Hey, I just wanna let everyone know real quick about Uh, a new sponsor for us today. Not new to you. You guys all know about Visa, um, but Visa knows that local businesses are at the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner store, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by our name. They're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. It is the official partner of the NFL and we are super excited to have Visa as a part of our team today. So do that, please. We are really excited about that. Matthew, let's get into the review of week three. We had a eh, kind of a mixed bag. Uh, you went two and two this week. Oh, excuse me. No, you had a rough week. You went two and two in your locks. You did fine in your locks. 
Uh, you went one and four on the regular slate this last week to get to four and six on the regular season. So we need to figure out what we what we uh, what we missed in some of these games. Uh, the first one we we both got wrong was Syracuse at Pitt. Uh, Pitt was favored by twenty two. Uh, final score was Syracuse ten, Pitt twenty one. The player I was watching was Kenny Pickett. You weren't really you didn't have anyone. I literally in this game. said no one on their offense is worth yeah. watching. I continued. Kenny- maintain that. Kenny looked Kenny Pickett through one really really nice touchdown pass uh the rest of the game I wasn't too impressed with uh so so you're probably right on that uh any any takeaways from this other than Pittsburgh's defense being being legit Syracuse continues to be really bad yeah is Syracuse a team that you might um kind of circle and, and check their lines and check their over-unders every week to see if it's something worth betting yeah if they, honestly if Syracuse plays a good offense I would probably be looking to go on the opposite side of that. Um, that's, that's the big takeaway from their defense is actually, I will say um, this is two like reasonable teams in a row that they've kind of stifled on their offense. So their defense might not be atrocious. So yeah, I mean, I think they're probably going to be a team that becomes a regular underplay for me because I just think they're, they're an average defense and they're a terrible offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I don't think we need to spend much time on that game. It was, you know, I, I really didn't watch that much of it because it. Someone hit a lock it. on it. I know. I know. Um, not me. Um, USF at Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame favored by 25 and a half. Um, we thought that number was too big. We were on the USF side. We thought, you know, South Florida would be able to hang in there a little bit. Uh, that didn't happen. Notre Dame won 52 to nothing. Uh, your player to watch, Chris Tyree, he, he looked really, really good. Yeah, I, I mean, I Chris Tyree's really athletic. He was, I think, he was a top two or three all-purpose back last year in the, this past recruiting class. He's really athletic, and if they aren't going to be able to throw the ball deep, Chris Tyree is a guy that they should be getting the ball in his hands because he's probably their most explosive playmaker. Yeah, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon on that uh, touchdown run of his. It wasn't a very long one, but. I, I, he just went untouched. He, he looked really, really good. Uh, my player to watch was Kyron Williams, who had looked really good the week before, uh, but he only got t- uh, two more carries than Chris Tyree. He went 10 for 62. He had two catches for only 10 yards. Uh, my big takeaway for Notre Dame was uh, we know exactly the type of offense they want to play now. Like, I don't think that they, uh, I think they only had two passes of over 20 yards total. That's including yak yards. Um, and only, and, and their, their longest pass of the day was uh, 27 yards. So they're not going vertical. They're going to be playing short. They're going to be going horizontal. They're going to try to beat you with that running game and with that offensive line. And they're going to just rely on their defense to, uh, to keep other teams intact. It's going to work against, you know, that these lesser teams, but once they start playing teams, like even like North Carolina and, you know, even some of the, just the upper, upper half of the ACC, I'm curious if this strategy is going to, going to work out for them. What do you think? I mean, now seeing what Miami did, I would be very interested in a game with Miami. Sadly, they don't play this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clemson's going to beat them badly. Um, yeah. I think I think Pitt will give them troubles. And that's kind of crazy to hear. Um, and then, yeah, I think if North Carolina plays a sound game against them and actually, I mean, we get the quarterback play that we're hoping for out of Sam Howell, um, I, I think they should be able to beat him. So this, I, I've ever, they were the de facto second team in the ACC, 
um, ACC championship game that we all kind of just locked in. I don't know if they're a lock for that, but I might, I mean, my biggest takeaway from this game is wow. South Florida is really bad. Right. Right. Yeah. It's weird that they won this so handily, but they didn't do a whole lot to change my opinion of them. Um, I mean, I, I went in before their first game before, like before we had seen any football this season and they were in my playoff partially that's before we knew the big 10 was going to be playing. Uh, but man, I wish I could take that one back because even after a 52, nothing, just the way that they did it. And maybe they just don't need Ian book to throw deep. So he's not going to, but I, I just don't know if he can right now. Um, I was listening to the cover three podcast and I thought they, they put it well. Like uh, Ian book is the same Ian book. He was like his freshman year. There just hasn't been a whole lot of uh, progression there. And uh, it's kind of, you know, it's just Ian book and, uh, I don't know if he's a type Ian of quarterback. Book is Trent Dilfer. He's going to get you exactly what you need. He's not going to, he will not lose you a lot of games. He will be fine. He will, yeah. he will rely upon other people to win the game. And it looks like it will be a rotating cast of running backs that they will rely upon. And Ian book will throw for 150 yards. Yeah. Yeah. And, and rush for, you know, a couple touchdowns, but not do anything Holy beyond <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he had three, he had three rushing touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about um, that. It's been yeah. a minute since I looked at this box score. Yeah, I, I watched part of that game and I, I watched the extended highlights and it was uh it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh but let's get to the 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 one that I I was most excited about. Uh Miami at Louisville. Louisville was minus two and a half. The over-under was 62. Miami was won this game 47-34, and honestly, it didn't even feel that close. Um halfway through the third quarter, it felt like it was, you know, donezo. Um, I, this is the one I, I did kind of recommend the money line on this one. Um, and that hit, but I, I was on Miami side. Uh, my player to watch was Derek King. I thought he would dominate on the ground, but man, he really took to the air. He threw for 325 yards, uh, three touchdowns. He only ran the ball eight times, only got nine yards. Uh, someone who really impressed me was Cameron Harris. I mentioned that at the top of the show. He went nine for 134 and a touchdown plus a reception for four yards. And he just looked quick. I don't know if you saw that touchdown where he kind of busted outside and just ran up the sideline. And it looked like a defender was going to stop him. And he just put it in a different gear and dove into, like just flew into the end zone. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts about the game, but then I'd also like to hear your thoughts on Harris just from a Debbie perspective. But but your player to watch was... Um, Revan Jordan and Knighton. Knighton did have a touchdown. Um, and he has also had a 75-yard reception. Uh, it was Brevin the, looked awesome. It was a 75-yard receiving touchdown. Um, Brevin Jordan is going to be their top target. He's going to get thrown the ball a whole lot this year. Um, he's a guy that I continue to say probably is on that fringe of moving up into the top two uh, tight ends in this class. Jalen Knighton's just fun. I don't know if he's going to have like a huge year, but he's just fun. And I hope they get the ball in his hands more. Um, yeah. Also, he did have a, he did have a rushing touchdown too. Wow. Knighton had a really fun game. I kind of, I, it's been, a, I need to look at box scores more frequently. Cause I kind of keep just forgetting stuff um, for Harris. The issue with Harris is that his numbers before this year, are not all that impressive. He, I think last year he had like 500 rushing yards, and I know the offense was fairly anemic last year, and maybe this is just him breaking out. Um, I do think he has some upside. I think that, as I say about a lot of these middle-tier running backs, if you do things in, you can have one year of success and all of a sudden jump up in um, 
the ranks because I think there's a lot of meh in the middle this year. So he's a guy that might be um, actually draftable in rookie drafts next year. Whereas had you told me that entering this year, he's a guy I pretty sure I didn't even put a score on him in our, our Debbie ranking. So he's a guy I have to start looking at. He is a junior. Um, so he's not exactly like super young. I don't know. He's a guy I'm starting to watch. I, I'm, I did mention him in my article that's going to be coming out hopefully Thursday, potentially Friday. He's a guy that I'm now watching and he's on my radar. Yeah. Do you think, um, Rhett Lashley, the new offensive coordinator, dude, the dude's 37 years old. He's younger than me. It's just crazy. But do you think his presence there coming over from SMU, um, do you think, uh, will make a significant or do you think that's part of the the reason that Miami's offense looks so much better? I mean, do you put more on Derek King or on Lashley is is kind of what I'm asking. Yeah. I think Derek King's awesome. Uh, To be very clear, I think Derek King is a very good quarterback. I rip on him all the time because it's fun. Um, and it's really fun to troll Miami fans because I've uh, had a good time after Tate Martell opted out for the year. I decided to tweet <laughs> out that they uh, let their top two quarterbacks not be on the team this year in favor of a, a meh quarterback. Um, I don't really feel that way. I think Derek King's very explosive. He has no Debbie potential. Please don't like at me. He doesn't. Um, but yes, offensive scheme can do wonders for things. And there's a reason why SMU scored like 60 points a game last year. It's because their offense was schemed incredibly well. This team does still have issues. Their offensive line is still not great, Um, but they're going to be able to make things happen by being explosive. So I'm, I would say if you're looking for a reason why Miami could quote unquote be back, it's, it's probably 50% Lashley. Um, like 40% culture shift in them starting to have like believe in themselves and actually start to like care week to week. And then you talking about the turnover train. I mean, it, there's (laughs) things that make them fun. It's things that actually make them seem to care. Um, because obviously they didn't, I mean, they lost to Florida international last year. That team didn't care. Um, so They've always been talented and the right thing to unlock it and make the team want to go out there and perform at their best is what you need. Uh, my other takeaway from this game, uh, because I kind of ripped him the previous week, this was a nice game for Tutu Atwell. Uh, mm-hmm. Eight receptions, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. Really happy to see that. That's that's the type of outing you want to see from Tutu. If he keeps doing this type of stuff, he will declare at the end of this year and he will be a guy that is exciting. And he, I mean, he could be the net. The one guy that I saw him compared to by a draft scout was Marquise Brown. That Marquise Brown is pretty much everyone's pick to be it or was everyone's pick to be a, a huge breakout in the NFL this year. If that's the type of comp you're getting for Tutu Atwell and he can get a little bit of draft capital, that's what you want. Yeah. He, uh, I hadn't watched a whole lot of him. Obviously I've, He's joy. Uh, he's joy. I, uh, but watching that game, man, he's a crisp route runner too. Like I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, you have to be down especially. Too. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's move on to UCF at Georgia tech, Georgia tech plus seven and a half, but they, that just wasn't enough for them. UCF ended up winning 49 21. Uh, we talked a little bit about Dylan Gabriel at, at the top, but he was your player that you were watching and uh, man, he had a, he had an awesome, awesome day. He threw for 417 yards, four touchdowns, 
He did have an interception, uh, but he added 30 more uh, yards on the ground. Uh, you mentioned Jameer Gibbs already as well. So a couple couple of guys that you uh, had your eyes on in this one. What would you think? It kind of was what I thought it would be. Um, this game, the final score is sort of misleading. Yes. UCF and Georgia Tech, where it was a fairly close game, and then Georgia Tech kind of fell by the wayside when UCF got explosive on offense. Um, UCF has a really good offense, and this is what they should do to a lot of teams. They're going to overwhelm you. It's, to me, kind of impressive that they were ma- able to lose a guy like Gabriel Davis and basically nothing. No no consequences to, um, like, no ripple effect in the passing game. So Dylan Gabriel is really good. I know I don't think he has Debbie potential, but I do think he's going to be one of the better college quarterbacks for the next couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, how do you not come away from this game thinking Jameer Gibbs is going to be a star? So, yeah. I think we, this one was a very easy pick for us on the spread just because for as good as we, as good of a story as it was Georgia Tech in that week one game against Florida State, no one should think that their offense is all of a sudden awesome. And if you're in college football, awesome offense really does overwhelm you. And that's sort of what happened here. Yeah. No, I agree. My player to watch was Jeff Sims. And he was all right. He uh, he threw for 244, had a touchdown, um, threw two picks. One was, you know, kind of tipped at the line of scrimmage and um, and picked off. But he he did get 82 on the, on the ground, uh, ran for a touchdown. I thought he was okay. I thought he looked overwhelmed at times. But, you know, you're a freshman. That's going to happen. Uh, let's talk about probably the most surprising uh, scoreline. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I think it was uh, – I think we can understand why it took place. Uh, but Tulsa uh, against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma was favored by 23. They ended up squeaking out a win, 7-16. to 16. Of course, everything changed because Spencer Sanders, who was my player to watch, uh, left early in the game with an ankle injury. I think he's still questionable or maybe even doubtful to be playing. Uh, I agree he's not going to be playing this week. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it really messed up uh, your boy Tylen Wallace, who – who was not getting targeted at all by the backup. It wasn't until they put in that third stringer, um, Ellinger or Illinger or something Illingworth. like that. I can't um, I can't remember his name right now. Illingworth. Yeah, Illingworth, um, who actually ended up doing okay. He went four for five for 74. Um, but it wasn't until late that Wallace got involved. Uh, they ended up getting the win, but man, Chuba was bottled up. They couldn't they couldn't do a whole lot. Um, this this so changed does this change your outlook? Okay, yeah, yeah ask me a question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said that the game changed when Spencer Sanders went out. If Spencer Sanders is in this game, do you think they cover? Um, I don't. I I know. I would. It's hard to say. They they didn't look that great those first couple of offensive series. So uh, they had a couple of turnovers early. It's it's hard to say. Uh, but, I think but, this, this is going to be a weird year for Oklahoma State because we're so used to Oklahoma State being this like super duper offense to just like they're trying to win games in the forties and fifties. I think they're going to be defensive minded. I think this is sort of a preview of what we're going to see this year because their offensive line, at least right now, sucks. It is atrocious. They should manhandle a Tulsa team. To put this, I guess, in perspective, this this type of matchup is like if Ohio State plays Toledo. (laughs) Yeah. There is absolutely no reason why the number one running back in the country from last year, the number one rusher averages 2.8 yards per carry against Tulsa. And that's what happened here. 
It doesn't matter if they're stacking the box because they know they're playing a backup. Your offensive line should be miles ahead of this defensive line. And it wasn't. And that's if if I'm looking for the thing that my takeaway is, uh, that's scary. And that's that's something that you definitely need to be looking at as very real. So do I think Oklahoma State is in the top three of the Big 12? Maybe because the Big 12 sucks. Do I think they're close to Texas or Oklahoma? Absolutely not. And I don't even know if that would be the case if Spencer Sanders was fully healthy. I do want to point out that Tylen Wallace, when he got targeted in this game, when they decided, hey, you know that awesome receiver we have? Um, let's just chuck it at him and let him make a play. He did. He made yes. one pretty ridiculous falling catch. Um, that That's what they need to do. They need to just make a couple of plays with Wallace, have their defense hold the opposing team to like 20 and hope that they can get in that range. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about Oklahoma state a little bit more hmm. uh, down the road. Um, let's talk, go over our locks real quick here. You went two and two to bring your overall uh, record to four on four and three. Uh, one of my games got postponed the Houston at Baylor. So I only had three and I went one and two, uh, which wasn't great. Uh, so the two that you got wrong were uh, Navy Tulane. You had under 48 and a half Louisiana tech versus Southern miss. You had under point out, I missed two totals by a field goal. Yeah, it was close. It was super, not like, super close. I will say my process on both of these games, I don't feel like was terrible. Navy yeah. Navy had this was down 24, nothing. And that looked like that. It was just going to be, they were going to coast. And the they transformed back. into a throwing football team. Weirdest thing I've ever <laughs> what seen. happened? Come back for Navy. Congrats to Navy. It legitimately might be that like changing moment for their year so they don't suck. Um, and then Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. Honestly, this is one where I just didn't feel I like I didn't feel great about the pick. It was just me kind of leaning into what I do, which is a little bit of SP plus, a little bit of uh looking at teams that are trying to run the ball. And yeah, they they scored real fast in the second half, and all of a sudden I looked up and I was like, "Oh, loser pick right there." Um, but yeah, uh, my adopted team though, uh, Boston College, my my adopted team yes. until they started freaking dominated Duke. So yep. that was a great call. Uh, this one actually for me is one of my uh, BC is now actually a team I'm watching because we talk about Debbie a whole lot. Phil Jerkovich might be good. And we're talking about a guy who was a top 100 recruit in the class of, I think it was the class of 2019. A guy like that coming to a new program gets a new opportunity or gets a second life on him. Who knows if they all of a sudden make him look good. We could be looking at a guy who is a day two pick. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's a it could call. be. It's it's all just a keep an eye on him because he didn't yeah. uh, like that performance was actually pretty impressive to me. Yeah. Now he's oh, going to go and play Clemson at some point this year, and he's going to throw five interceptions, and I'll walk a little bit of it back. But still, well, he'll look good against Texas State easy. this week. <laughs> all right, you're the one that you got right. You got Pitt, Syracuse under fifty. They only totaled thirty one points, so well done there. Um, the one I got right was UCF. Uh, minus seven and a half at Georgia Tech. We already talked about that game. Uh, Miami Louisville. I took the under sixty four and a half. That was a mistake. I like I said, I was not expecting uh, Derek King to come out and throw the ball all over the field. And Louisville's defense might be uh, hashtag terrible. Um, so that's something to watch going forward as well. 
App State at Marshall. I took App State minus four and a half. That was a big mistake. Marshall rolled, and uh, Matt was right about their running backs. They did not look um, up for up for the up for the job. So uh, so that was a rough one. Um, lessons learned on App State, I think. I mean, App State. I still think App State is going to compete for the Sun Belt title. They're not a bad team. But I just I do think like all of a sudden we looked and maybe these guys aren't what we thought they were. But maybe Marshall was just maybe Marshall's actually solid. So who knows? I I don't know if we can fully write them off after one week, but I do think that App State's running backs are not Darrington Evans this year. Right. Yeah, it's going to it's going to take some while for them to uh, to rebuild their trust. But you know who doesn't have to rebuild their trust is indeed, even though sports had a break. Your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be there and are half the times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with our free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's right. Go to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through September 30th. And I will say the uh, no learn long-term contracts is awesome because sometimes you don't need to uh, be searching for people to hire for a very long time. You just need to find the right candidates for a couple positions and then you can move on. And that's one of the things I love about indeed. Let's get into week four though, Matt. Let's start off with an SEC special. We've got the Florida Gators, who we talked about earlier uh, as one of the teams you really, really like out of the SEC. They play at Ole Miss. As you mentioned, we've got Lane Kiffin's debut. Who do you got in this one? And then, of course, who are you watching? Uh, I've got Florida. Um, I, I really just think Florida's very, very good this year. Uh, not a huge – I don't have, like, a huge reasoning behind it. I just think Florida's a better team. Um S&P Plus has them as a as an even bigger favorite. They have them actually as a uh, 15 point favorite, um, including a one point extra bonus to Ole Miss for being the home team. So I don't know. I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. I, I think Lane Kiffin will actually want to come out and make a statement. But I did mention this earlier. I expect Matt Carell to be the starter. Um, and I think that's bad for them. I do think John Reese Plumley should be the guy. For them, I think he would allow for more uniqueness to their scheme. So that's why I'm, I, I would say I'm a little bit concerned about them. And the players I'm watching, it's a lot of guys we mentioned um, all year. But Jerry Neely is a, is a really talented running back. I think he could be the top sophomore running back uh, in the country. I, that's not saying a lot. I think a lot of the sophomore running backs suck this year. Um, <laughs> and then Elijah Moore was a guy that prior to last year, I called as a potential breakout. He did that. And, um, he's most known for, um, acting like a dog and peeing in the end zone and costing his team the egg bowl. So, um, so you're picking Florida, but you're watching some Ole Miss. I'm watching Ole Miss players because Ole Miss players are more fun this year. 
Yeah, I'm also picking Florida. I do think it will be pretty close. And uh, the player I'm watching, well, with Van Jefferson and Swain both going to the NFL, I want some Justin Shorter on my no. I'm Dear God, I hope Justin Shorter <laughs> breaks out. I like that whether or not so great. he does. I want just if people don't know who Justin Shorter was, uh, Justin State, Shorter baby. is a transfer to um, Florida from Penn State. He was the number one receiver in his class. So, and the talent uh, when- should be there. And when Jordan was on the show, uh, who was a Penn State fan I, and alum, I believe, too, he 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 really wanted Shorter to, to be a thing, and it just never worked out. Uh, no, but the player I'm watching is the running back who will be uh, replacing P. Ryan, and that's Damian Pierce. Uh, he had 54 carries for 305 yards and four touchdowns last year. I'm curious to see what this junior can do now that the job will be uh, most likely be his. Uh, so, so I'll be interested to see. I'm always kind of curious about, you know, the running backs taking over new jobs see if we can you know maybe find someone uh who who didn't get drafted in in a shallower debbie league who you might be able to take with a with a rookie pick um in the upcoming year so he's one of those guys that's on my short list of uh well i guess it's i guess it's not much of a short list i feel like i'm talking about new running backs every week uh but i'm taking florida and i'm watching pierce let's move on to louisville at Pitt. uh Pitt is favored by two at home who do you have in this one actually i'll go first um i'm i'm going with louisville to uh to, to, to not only cover, I'm picking Louisville to upset. Um, I know their defense looked weak, but their offense looks really good. I think this is going to be the case of like a good offense versus a bad defense. Um, and then a good, and then vice versa for the other team. Um, I, I just think that this is going to be uh, an interesting kind of clash of, of two teams with different kind of styles and strengths. Um, I'm watching Javian Hawkins, a sophomore running back. He looked so good against Miami. His touchdown run was something special where he reversed the field. Uh, he went for 164 yards last week. I'll be curious to see what he can do. Their quarterback looked good too. He, he was able to place the ball nicely. Uh, we'll see if Atwell can get going again. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm picking Louisville and I'm wrong because of why, Matt? Because Pitt's defense is absurd. Um, okay. So players I'm watching, uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times, no one on the Pitt offense. Pitt's offense isn't fun. I don't care. I don't care if Pickett was good ones. He's not <laughs> exciting. He's not a Debbie prospect. So the players I'm watching, I'm watching for joy. And that's the entire Pittsburgh defense, most notably Rashad Weaver. Um, I think that the goal for Pittsburgh is going to be to try and keep consistent pressure on Cunningham. I, I don't think Cunningham's all that good. Um, I saw him get a little bit of draft buzz on Twitter during the game. I really don't see it. Um, I think that that game was decided when Miami went up by two scores early, and then all of a sudden they backed off a little bit on defense. I don't necessarily think Louisville's offense is actually super duper impressive. I think they have some good playmakers, but I don't necessarily think the overall offense is that good this year. Um, And I'm actually afraid of the potential impact on Tutu and Fitzpatrick because I do think that Cunningham is average. So, yeah, I'm taking Pitt. I think if they consistently get pressure on um, Cunningham, they're going to win this game fairly comfortably, I would expect. Man. They are over a touchdown win. I almost, I didn't put, I had like, so 
putting this show doc together, I put a bunch of locks on it first. And then I, you know, I, I kind of whittled through uh, just in my confidence level. But I had Louisville plus two as one of my locks to, to get going. So as confident as you are about Pitt, I am about Louisville. So I am really excited to watch this game and to see what takes place because we are definitely, uh, definitely not on the same page. So I'm sure Pitt will win handily. But I'm not <laughs> but, good yeah. these games. Haven't we figured this out? Like on the actual like premier games of the week, I'm not that good. So you have a you stand a better chance of being right here. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's talk Mississippi State at LSU. Um, I am sure that you're taking Mississippi State money line here. Is that correct? No. LSU's favored 16 and a half, and they're going 0 and 9 this year. So talk to me. As much as I don't like LSU this year. <laughs> I like I I'm not I don't think they're gonna lose this game. The only issue I have is if Mississippi State does play a fast offense and LSU comes out flat, if LSU kind of has the navy effect where maybe they haven't been hitting enough on defense, um, they can keep this game close. Fuck it, I'm changing my pick. I'm taking LSU covering. Oh um, I don't think Mississippi State is going to be able to keep up with the talent on LSU and particularly I think LSU's defense is going to be amazing. I do think that uh, Derek Stingley is probably going to come away with this game with at least one interception. I think it's potential he gets two. That's how good I think he is. And I just think they're going to, this is the type of game that Mississippi state gets shut out on. So the player I'm watching though, I'm a little bit afraid they're going to go back to a a slower paced offense. I don't think that this is going to be a return to what they did last year. They're only returning two starters from last year's offense, but most notably on this is a guy that actually in the preseason of last year, everyone picked as the starter and a uh, huge star to watch. Um, And they were wrong because Clyde Edwards, Alaire existed and became amazing. Um, I'm, I'm watching John Emery. He was, I think he was a top two or three running back in his uh, class. I don't see any way that he isn't the focal point of the offense this year. Um, while I would hope that the offense would funnel through Terrace Marshall, I I, I am a little bit worried they're going to go back to the less miles st- style of offense that isn't really explosive. But I do think Emory has the chance to be a game breaker here. And like I said, I, I think this this looks very similar to all the years of Washington versus Washington State, where there's clearly more talents on one side of the field, and that will be locking up a uh even a creative offense they will lock up all right well i'm thinking mississippi state getting you know 16 and a half points i think is is pretty uh pretty good number there so i'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that on your side and uh my player to watch is my boy kylan hill he was um over on Devi watch he had a adp of 24th overall seventh running back uh taken so i'm very curious to see how he does He's a senior, I believe, this year, so not super young, but uh, I'm expecting him to be super productive this year. I'm curious to see what he does in this new offense to see what he can do receiving the ball. Um, I'd, I'd love to see, uh, yeah, I'd love to see him do well for many reasons um, outside of the fact that I, I have him in many spots, <laughs> but but also I just really like him off the field as well. He, he, he has done a lot um, with the whole like BLM movement and stuff like that. Um, which, you know, I'm not to get political or anything, but, um, but I always do. We support that here on this podcast. Um, But I I really like Kylan Hill. I think he's a great dude. I I really hope he, he succeeds and it will be fun to see um, 
not fun. That's the wrong word. I'm curious to see what KJ Costello can do uh, after leaving Stanford. I think he could just have a, a really, really good year. He's a very accurate passer. He's not the most fun or explosive player, but but he could be pretty pretty solid. Um, this last one, I don't know if we'll spend too much time on because this game may or may not be played, but we've got Florida State at Miami. Uh, Miami at minus 11 and a half. Uh, who are you taking if this one uh, does, in fact, take off? Assuming it happens, I'm taking Miami. Um, I do think their offense will be just a little bit too explosive. We saw what Florida State was against Georgia Tech. They're nothing special. Justin Blackman shouldn't be the guy. They really do need to move on. Uh, Chubba Purdy should be their starting quarterback at some point during this year, and Norvell has to make that decision. I don't think it, I obviously don't think it's going to happen while Norvell is out with COVID. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a little bit I'm. For all the excitement that there was with the new hire, um, they're not going to be good this year. Uh, I think 500 is a successful year for them. I think that Miami should win this game handily. And the player I'm watching this game, I'm watching a player on Florida State, uh, and that's your boy, um, Tamoran Perry. (laughs) Um, He has 77 combined uh, yards against um, Miami in two games. I'm afraid they're going to do it to him again. I think they might lock him up again. And I think that this offense is probably going to struggle again. And that's why okay. I can't see Miami staying within two touchdowns. If if yeah. that happens, just a quick quick aside. And I know we're already over an hour, but... You're giving up on Morian Terry because you should. No no, 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 no. I was going to say, if he has another terrible, terrible game and he starts the year off with just just a a horrendous start with all these drops and and he gets shut down again. Is he someone that you would try to buy low on someone that you would maybe try to trade for? No, No, you're done. You are out on him. I'm I've never been in on him. He's a guy that I'm when I have the opportunity to draft him because of value, I would rather trade back because I would prefer God, the guys I would have ranked ahead of him. I can get later. And that is, any spot where I have like the, I, I know people love him. I know he's got blazing speed and he's six foot three and everyone just wants to love him. Six foot four. <laughs> he's six foot four and he's got like four, three speed and he's the greatest athlete that's ever seen the state of Florida. I don't care. He does not, he is not good. Okay. Um, and he's old. So, so don't buy low on Terry. Um, I, I think you can. I think if, if you want Terry on your roster, I am the anomaly here. I know that I, I'm not a Terry believer and I know there's Terry believers out there, but if this is a third straight game and he gets locked up for like sub 50 yards and he has some bad drops that are all over Twitter, throw out an offer to your league mate and say, huh, you know, I'll take that guy off your hands. I, he's a lotto ticket for me anyway. Give them someone who has some value for this year in the NFL Buy him. If you want to, I'm not a believer. I will not be making a single offer for tomorrow on Terry. All right. I probably will. I also have Miami in this game. Uh, player I'm watching is the dude I talked about earlier. That's Cam Harris. Let's see what he can do. He's averaging 134 yards a game with one and a half touchdowns so far. Uh, let's get into the locks. Uh, Matthew, what is your uh, what is your first lock you want to give us today? Um, I'm going to go out of order. Um, so I'm going to start out with one that I'm probably the least confident in, but I do think is a solid pick, and that's BYU and Troy under 61 uh and plus has this game at 58 points and i really think that byu is a good team but i still think they're going to be more defensive minded they won a game 55 to 3 against navy and i think the that that is causing 
the public to inflate this this uh, total. I don't think BYU is going to go out there and score a ton of points every week. I think they're probably more likely to try and win games in the high 20s than they are to win games in the 30s and 40s. So I do think Troy will probably score more than three points, but I don't think this will be a super close uh, game. I S&P Plus has it at 58. I don't think we're even going to get to there. I think we're probably going to be closer to like 48 um, to 50 range. Okay. Uh, so you th- that's a pretty big difference for you being the least confident of this one of all of them. I can't wait to hear your other ones. Uh, that sounds great to me. Uh, the one I'm going with first is uh, North Texas at Houston. 72 and a half is the over under. And I'm going to take the under. This is my uh, S&P special of the, of the, of the week. Um, man, it's just a huge number. Uh, 72 and a half. I don't, I don't think they're going to get um, near that. Uh, S&P plus has this more in the six low, low sixties. So that's going to be my first one. Um, was that one that you were looking at too? Yeah. yeah. I actually really like this game. I, I was considering it both for the article and I almost just duplicated you in this pick, but the reason I, er, that I like it is because, so we've talked about this. Houston actually has had three games scheduled to start the year. Um, they had a rice matchup. They had a Memphis game and they had a Baylor matchup that have all kind of just missed. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about a Houston team that, yes, they scored quite a few points last year. I think this game, when they played North Texas last year, they combined for like 70 points. So while I do think this is a team that might be capable of scoring points, this is COVID year. Your first game of the year, you're going to come out a little bit sloppy. The fact that they've had three stop and go opportunities, I'm I'm just worried for how bad they could come out. And I would say, I think this game's probably played in the low 30s. Um I, I kind of like the spot here where they have it at 60 points. So that, uh, yeah, I, I like this pick for you. I, I backed off of it partially because you had it partially because I don't know, they scored 70 points combined last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a big number, 72 and a half. Uh, what else you got for us? So we'll go, we'll go with the one that I've, uh, I hinted at as, uh, SME plus has Pitt Louisville at 53 points. The, the total is 54 and a half. Um, I'm taking the under shocker, Matt taking an under, um, Pitt's a defense first team. Um, they're the second best defensive S and P plus team. Yes. Their first two games were not against the highest quality of opponents, but I think Louisville has offensive line issues and they will be able to get pressure. Like I said, I do think Pitt is going to win this game by more than a touchdown. And because of that, I think that they're going to play this game in their style, which is slowing it down and keeping the Louisville offense off the field as much as they can. And then when they are on the field, they're creating havoc in the, uh, in the backfield for Cunningham. I like this game again. I think it'll be a twenties game. I think it'll probably be, I think 27 to 20 is a very reasonable outcome for this. And I think that I'm, I'm have just enough points and just enough leeway that I am happy to take this spot. All right. I like it. I don't actually like it at all because I feel like if you're right on this, then Louisville probably won't win, <laughs> but, but we'll see. Um, let's go, let's go, let's go have some fun. Um, Iowa state looked really rough their first outing. And I know a lot of people had them as a kind of a dark horse in, in the big 12. I am not one of those people. I'm not a huge Brock Purdy fan. Um, they are favored by two and a half at TCU. Give me TCU plus two and a half. And you know what? I might uh, do a little uh, money line dance on this one myself too. Iowa State are zero and five against the spread in the last five games, and Iowa State are one and four straight up in the last five games when playing on the road against TCU. Give me TCU. 
I'm not scared of no Cyclones. Is there anything you like more than a sub field goal uh, underdog? No, that so is my favorite thing is, in the world. I'm just pointing because it was Miami last week. It's <laughs> yep. Louisville this week, and it's TCU this week. That that's yep. that's your wheelhouse. Uh, I like. Yep. Um, I especially, do think, especially at home. I think the wrong team's favored here. S and P Plus thinks the wrong team is favored here. Um, I don't know what home field means this year. That's the sure. only thing. so. Um, so yeah, I would just say. I think you're right. I also think there's a chance that Iowa State kind of comes out looking for let's rebuild our name and not look like the laughing stock of college <laughs> football. So yeah. um that's an uh, that's the that's the weird like narrative play here, but I do like your spot. I think that you might be on the right side. Yeah, we'll see. Um for the record, my uh, my money line is not my lock. <laughs> but but I personally will be putting a little on the money line. Um all right, you're up again, my man. So I'm going to go uh, Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Uh, God, I love betting Syracuse. Um, <laughs> under 52 and a half. Uh, you, I don't even think you have to say under 50. You could just say the number we all know you're going under. <laughs> okay, so 52 and a half, I'm going under. Whatever. Uh, Syracuse, they continue to be terrible. Uh, there are 90 teams currently ranked in S&P Plus. Syracuse is ranked 76th in both total S&P Plus and offensive S&P Plus. So... Georgia Tech has an above average defense. Um, they are 38th in defensive S&P Plus, and they're pretty average on offense. They're 66th in offensive S&P Plus. S&P Plus has this game at 49 and a half. I, I think it could be even lower than that. I think we could be looking at a game very similar to the Pitt game. Um, I don't think this one will be particularly close. I like this spot a lot, and this is this is going to be a play for me a lot this year as Syracuse unders. Yep. I, I think that's a I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, I've got an under another under on my board, and that is UCF at ECU. I know I've been saying how much I love UCF and their offense is spectacular, but the number is seventy six and a half, and that is a huge number. That that number jumped off the page at me. Uh, so so I'm, I went ahead and took that one. I, I looked at the scores, uh, the average scores of the last uh, ten outings between these two teams, and um, UCF is averaging just a little over thirty six. And um, ECU is right around 27 and a half. So they, they don't get to this number very often. So I, I feel pretty comfortable just because it's a huge number um, going with this one. 76 and a half points is, uh, is, is not something that we see all that often. So, uh, so give it to me. This one is also like uh, S&P Plus has it like a 16 point difference. So I, that, that kind of reassured my, my thought process. Yeah, when someone made the S&P Plus spreadsheet, they yeah. uh, went to go... Uh double check and see, Oh, were there any huge anomalies? Oh, Oh, Stefan already has them. Sweet. Yep. I can't pick that game. I'm very quick. That was one. It was going to be on my list, but again, I, I backed off a little bit. I don't like dub or picking with you on games. Um, even if you're going to be right. Thanks. We'll see. <laughs> so my last pick, this was actually my article pick and I should, I, I have to tout, toot my own horn a little bit. I'm three and oh, in article picks this year. Yes. Um, I am shocker of the century. They're all unders, um, because offense is bad in 2020 right now. So keep taking unders. Uh, I hinted at this a little bit earlier. Um, I think there's something wrong with Oklahoma state. Uh, I do think that Illingworth is going to be the starting quarterback this week. I also don't know if that matters. So I'm taking West Virginia and Oklahoma state under 52. That number if you had presented that to me in the preseason, I would have told you it was a crazy low number. 
but I am very concerned about the offensive line for Oklahoma State. And I think because of that, they're not going to be able to be super explosive. So Hubbard in last week's game averaged only 2.8 yards per carry. That needs to be the focal point of their offense if they're going to get going this year. And I, I don't know if he can if the line is as bad as it looked in week one. And then just a little bit going on, both of these teams in their last four games against FCS opponents are 0-4 uh, against the num- or against the total, so they're going under each of their last four games. So, yeah, I, I would have felt very dirty um, if you told me at the beginning of the season that I would be taking an early Oklahoma State under in the 50s. But after seeing what I saw last week, I do not think that this Oklahoma State offense is going to be what we expected. I agree. And I'm going to add a little bit to that is their defense looked really good. Like I know it wasn't, I mean, Tulsa is not a juggernaut of an offense, but I thought their defense was solid. Um, and yeah, I think West Virginia could also struggle to put up points. I think that's a really good call. Uh, my my next and final uh, lock is, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do this for many reasons. One, I, I lost out on my Baylor bet last week because the game got postponed, but also anytime you can bet against less miles, you got to do it. So Kansas at Baylor, Baylor, uh, minus 16 and a half. And I'm on the Baylor side of this Baylor are five and one against the spread in their last six games. Kansas is one and four against the spread in their last five. Uh, I like Baylor a lot. I talked about it a lot last week. I'm excited to see what uh, Charlie Brewer can do. Um, I know we got a new head, new head coach. Now that rule is, uh, up in the NFL, not up, but in the NFL. Um, but I'm excited for it. Um, give it to me, baby. Uh, Baylor bears minus 16 and a half. I feel good. You're adding something to your show notes up there. I see. So you're, you're adding another lock. Let's see what you got. I'm gonna add another one too, just for fun. Yeah. I'm not really, I don't want to say I got talked into this one. Um, I've talked about it. I think early offense going to struggle. I think Kansas offense is going to struggle against anyone with a pulse. I don't know how you're getting 61 points here. Give me the under. I'm adding Texas at Texas Tech. I believe I just checked the line. It's uh, minus 18, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, Let me check. Yeah, you check. I'm taking Texas minus 18. I will let you know. I have never, ever gotten a Texas bet correctly when I bet for them to cover. That changes this week. Texas Tech looked terrible against like Houston Baptist or something like that. Barely squeaking out a win. I think Texas wins this one easily. They want to prove that they can hang with Oklahoma. I don't think they can, but they're going to try it anyway. Uh, Give me Texas minus 18. Um, We're doing it. We're doing it. Look at us adding, adding stuff last minute. You have anything else? I do though. (laughs) Every week, like I come into this, I'm like, I can't really find picks. I love. And then I'll (laughs) like, I got five picks. There's games. Um, no, we need to have lots of picks because half of these could get canceled between we record on Wednesday nights or Wednesday late afternoons. And, uh, you know, like I said last week, it'll hit the uh, it'll hit the like not the private, but it'll hit the uh, the one feed, the our, called, feed. Our, our main our main feed um, on Thursday, but then it hits the road of his feed on Friday. So um, a lot can change between now and then. So. Uh, if you're listening on the main feed with Rotoviz, some of these games might already be postponed. Uh, but that is uh, why we have a lot of them for you. That's on you. Subscribe to both and catch us early. That's right. That is correct. So subscribe to both. And uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I think that's all the locks we have for today. Uh, do you have anything else, Matt, before we uh, before we let the good people go? I think you know it's coming. Bye, Tamori. Bye, Chris Alave. 
<laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Uh, be sure to hit us up on Twitter, especially on game day. We love getting on there and chatting about, uh, about nonsense. And uh, if you are going to make some bets, uh, I mean, football's back. Uh, you know, we may not be able to go to the games this year, but you can still uh, be in on the action at bet online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And do not forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs>